the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What judge would listen to you if you said something like, while I was asleep, my neighbor broke into my house and stole my television set? You know why that's ridiculous? Who knows what goes on while you're asleep? That's what they're telling these people. They're saying, listen, say, while we were asleep, the disciples came and stole us by. How do you know what went on when you're asleep? That's ridiculous. That, that's absolutely ludicrous. Matthew doesn't even address that. It's, it's so silly. It's nonsense. Who knows what goes on when they're asleep? If you saw it happening, you're soldiers. You're there to protect it. Many people still believe this lie that was just mentioned by Pastor Steve Kreloff. They attempt to explain away the resurrection of Jesus Christ, refusing to believe the biblical account. But as Steve will point out, Christians need to allow this great truth of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ to so grip them that they will live their lives according to the Bible, not according to the pressures of our modern society. We are so glad you have joined us today on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve will conclude this special Easter message which he delivered to his congregation on Easter 2012. It's taken from Mark chapter 16. Verse by Verse comes to you as an outreach of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where Steve has been the pastor for over 35 years. Let's get ready for class now as Pastor Steve comes to teach us more truths about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. Here is Pastor Steve. But let me ask you this. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but why three days later? Why wait three days? God didn't need three days to raise Jesus from the dead. Could have raised him a moment after he died. Why wait three days? It's not like God had to wait. May I suggest to you that it was three days after death in order to prove that this was a real miracle, a real resurrection from a real death, so that no one would say, aha, he really didn't die. After three days, you know that somebody died. In fact, notice how the the angel goes the extra mile to to assure these women that Christ really was resurrected from a real death. He says, behold, here is the place where they laid him. In other words, he was dead and it was here that he laid, but he's not here anymore. A real death, a real resurrection. He points to that slot cut out of the rock where the body was laid. And he says, look for yourselves. The tomb is empty and Now, 2,000 years later, the empty tomb still assures us of the marvelous truth of the resurrection of Christ. And I want to explain something to you. Let's turn to John chapter 20. And we'll see John's account of this and why the empty tomb is so critical and how thinking people can think their way through this and say, you know what? There really is solid evidence for believing in the resurrection of Christ. John chapter 20 Beginning at verses uh, verses one and two. 
Now, on the on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb while it was still dark, you know, running Mary and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. Now, notice this. She's still running. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And we believe that to be the apostle John himself and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. So so understand, stay in John for a moment. But Mary gets to the tomb and Mary is quick to run there and she is quick to make the assumption that somebody, since the body is not there, she's looked in, she doesn't see the body. So she runs to Peter and John and announces that the body is gone. Someone's taken it. She should have just waited there. The angel would have said what had happened. He announced it to the other women, but she left too quickly. Notice verse 11. She thinks someone has stolen his body. Verse 11. But Mary was standing outside the tomb. Now she's returned to the tomb and she's weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb and she now she sees the two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they have laid him. Now, Mary apparently is not thinking clearly. How do you have a conversation with two angels like this in dazzling apparel? What are you doing, Mary? Well, I'm looking for his body. But I, I mean, so, you know, she's she's just not thinking clearly here, but she does believe that someone has stolen his body. And when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, because it was a garden area. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, and he goes on to say some other things. But what I want you to see is that Mary believed that somebody had taken the body of Christ. And you know what? That is a theory that is still going on today. That is how skeptics try to deal with the resurrection. They say that the tomb was empty because someone or some group removed Christ's body. But the question is, who? Who did it? It's kind of like who who moved the stone? Who could have removed the body? If you could figure that out other than what the Bible says, then you could say that the resurrection is a hoax. But let's let's uh, think through this. Who did it? Could it have been the Lord's disciples? Some say there was the Lord's disciples. They came back, took the body and they wanted us now to believe that he rose from the dead, but they had his body all along. Well, let's look at this. Let's look at Matthew chapter 28 again. That's why I said to keep your place there. Matthew 28. This is actually absurd. It's, it's ludicrous to believe the disciples stole his body. Matthew chapter 28, verse 11. This is after Jesus Rose, verse 11 says, now, while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and report. This is the guard who were to watch the tomb and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. 
And if this should come to the governor's ears, we'll win him over and keep you out of out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. So Matthew says that in his day, it was widely circulated that the disciples came and stole the body of Jesus. You know what? It is so ridiculous. Matthew doesn't even refute it. Let me tell you why. What judge would listen to you if you said something like, while I was asleep, my neighbor broke into my house and stole my television set? You know why that's ridiculous? Who knows what goes on while you're asleep? That's what they're telling these people. They're saying, listen, say, while we were asleep, the disciples came and stole us. But how do you know what went on when you're asleep? That's ridiculous. That, that's absolutely ludicrous. Matthew doesn't even address that. It's, it's so silly. It's nonsense. Who knows what goes on when they're asleep? And if you saw it happening, you're soldiers. You're there to protect it. Secondly, all the disciples were persecuted for their, for their faith. Almost all of them were martyred for their faith. That is to say, they died for the sake of the resurrection. Listen, Sometimes people will die for something they, uh, that's false, but they believe it's true. But no one dies for something that they know is false. Nobody does that. that that's, that's stupidity. Nobody would die for a lie if they knew that they had the body. They would never have died for a lie. They would have just said, here's the body. We have it. Don't kill us. So that doesn't even make sense. So the disciples, we can eliminate them. They did not take the body. It doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Thirdly, some people say, well, the Jewish or Roman authorities, they stole the body. But that can't be true. They put a guard there to make sure the body wasn't removed. They put a guard there for that very reason. And if they did have the body, they would certainly have paraded it through the streets of Jerusalem. When when disciples started saying that we uh, we know he's risen from the dead, they would have said, no, no, of course not. Here's the body. But they didn't because they didn't have it. They didn't steal the body. Now, there is another theory, and maybe you've heard of this. It is uh, gained popularity in our day. It's called the swoon theory. The swoon theory is this, that Jesus didn't really die. He just swoons on the cross from exhaustion and and pain and loss of blood. But in the coolness of that tomb, he revived. He then walked out of the tomb and everybody thinks that he was resurrected. In fact, that was um, made popular some years back by a book uh, written by Hugh Schoenfield called The Passover Plot. I remember I was very troubled by that because I thought, wow, maybe maybe there's truth to it. When you think about it, it's nonsense. Paul Little has thought about it and he wrote a book called Know Why You Believe. And here's how he answers that. He said, but let us assume for a moment that Christ was buried alive and swooned. Is it possible to believe that he would have survived three days in a damp tomb without food or water or attention of any kind? Would he have survived being wound in spice-laden grave clothes? And I might add that they were about 75 pounds. Would he have had the strength to extricate himself from the grave clothes, push the heavy stone from the mouth of the grave, overcome the Roman guards, and walk miles on feet that have been pierced with spikes? (laughs) 
Now, I would say that if you believe that, you probably also believe that Elvis is alive because it fits in that category. That's how ridiculous it really is. Silly. It's just silly. The only view that any thinking person would come to a conclusion on, the only view that makes any sense is that the tomb was empty because Jesus was raised from the dead. And the next time someone tells you that they don't believe in Christianity, they don't believe in the resurrection, then just ask them, well, what happened to the body of Jesus? Why was the tomb empty? And now you have a little bit of substance to tell them if they go through some of these ridiculous uh, responses. So we know that Christ was raised because, number one, the stone was rolled away by the angel. So we can look in and be convinced. Secondly, the tomb was empty. His body is not there because he really was raised from the dead. There is a third reason why we can know that Christ was raised and that Mark uh, really implies in the next few verses. And it's this. The Lord appeared to the disciples. The Lord literally, physically appeared to his followers. Not only did the angel tell the women about Christ's resurrection, but he had a message for them to to take to his disciples. Notice Mark, as we go back to Mark 16, verse 7, here's his message. He said, but go, tell his disciples, and notice this, he says, and Peter, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. What a gracious Merciful word from the Lord to his disciples. He didn't want them to continue in grief. He gave them hope. He gave them encouragement. He said, tell them that I'll meet them in Galilee, just as I told them before my death. And what was he talking about? Mark chapter 14, just two chapters back. Mark 14, verse 27. Jesus said to them, and this is the night he was arrested, he said, you all fall away because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd and the sheep will be or shall be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, even though all may fall away, yet I will not fall. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you that this very night before a rooster crows twice, you yourself will deny me three times. But Peter kept insisting, saying, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all were saying the same thing also. But you know what? They did flee. They did run away. And Peter did deny Christ. But instead of rebuking these disciples, and certainly instead of rebuking Peter, Jesus gave them a message of great hope, great assurance, how merciful he was. He said, tell them that I'll see them again in Galilee. And he said, tell all of them. And then he included and Peter. Why did he say that? Because at this point in his life, Peter must have thought, I'm I'm through. He'll never have me back. I have denied him. But Jesus, very lovingly, very mercifully, full of compassion, said, and Peter, too. He's still part of of the band. So how do we know that Christ is alive today? Well, he appeared to his disciples. He physically, literally appeared to them. Not once. They did go to Galilee. They did meet up with him. But not once, not twice, but many, many, many times for the next, we're told in the book of Acts, 40 days before he ascended to be with the Father. They saw him. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says that there were 500 people who saw him at one time. 500 people. Now, how can these appearances be explained away? They can't, but some have tried. 
So let me tell you how they've tried. The major theory that some espouse is this, to deny the resurrection. They say, well, uh, we understand that some people thought they saw him. They were hallucinating. They only thought they saw him. They just thought that they saw him, but they didn't. Now, we do have to admit that there are some individuals who have very vivid imaginations, some people who are emotionally distraught, but not 500 people at one time. That, that's too hard to swallow. Not f- 500 people did not have the same hallucination all at once. That's impossible. And people who are prone to hallucinate continue doing this for extended periods of time. But that didn't happen. This stopped abruptly after 40 days because Jesus ascended. None of them said, I keep seeing him. I keep seeing him every night. I can't. No, no, that didn't happen. Also, hallucinations happen to people who so intently want something that that they uh, they want something to be real, that they imagine that it is real, even if it's not. But that's not true with these people, because the people who saw Christ all believed he was dead. In fact, they had to be persuaded by Jesus that he was alive. They didn't believe it at first. Remember, there was doubting Thomas who said, I'll not believe it until I see and I can put my hands in those wounds. And then there was Mary. She she thinks she's speaking to the gardener when she's speaking to Jesus. She said, please return him. I'll, I'll put him back. And then there are the other disciples who Jesus called uh, slow to believe. They didn't they didn't they weren't expecting it. That's not how hallucinations take place. And today, you know, you and I don't have to see Jesus. In fact, we're not going to not now, but we don't have to see him to know that he's alive. I don't have to see him. In fact, Peter says, whom having not seen, ye love. Why don't we have to see him? Why could we believe and yet not See him because Jesus said to Thomas in John chapter 20, blessed are you, Thomas, because you have seen. But but blessed are others who have never seen and yet they will believe because of your account. These things are written, Jesus said, these things are written that you might believe. We believe not because we see him visually, but we see him on the pages of Scripture. That's why we believe. We believe the the witness of the word of God. I don't need any of these things to to believe. Give substance to my belief, but I don't need that. The word of God is sufficient. We close with verse eight of Mark chapter 16. Here's what happened after Jesus, uh, after the angel rather said, go tell his disciples. It says they, meaning the women, they went out. They fled from the tomb. They ran. Now they're running like Mary. For trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The women in fear and Matthew adds in joy were speechless. They didn't stop to speak to anybody, but they ran to tell the disciples about Christ's resurrection. You know what? That ought to be the same response we have to be so overwhelmed, so excited, so astounded. So amazed at this that we can't help but tell other people. So affected by this that our lives are never the same. These women just ran to tell the other disciples the Lord has risen from the dead. And that ought to be your response and my response. This truth ought to grip our lives so that we will never be the same. That whatever the Lord tells us to do, we will do it. These women really submitted 
to the authority of the word of God because God told an angel to tell them this. And that ought to be our response. Are you excited about the resurrection of Christ? Or is it just a sort of a tradition that you come to church on Easter and this is what you do every Sunday? Or are you really living in light of the fact that Jesus Christ is alive? He is alive. He knows your life in and out. He knows mine. He knows all about us better than you and I know ourselves. And he still loves us. And if you don't know him, he wants you to know him. That is his desire that you put your trust in him, that you turn from your sin and you turn to him for salvation. If you do know Christ as Lord and Savior, then I hope that today's message from God's word will uh, cause the truth of the resurrection to grip your heart, to convince you. To, to cast any doubts away, to get you deeper into your, your faith and deeper into your walk with the Lord. Let's bow for prayer. If you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, I couldn't think of a better time to come to faith in him than Easter Sunday. The Bible says that Jesus Christ not only has been raised from the dead, but he has been raised to someday be the judge of all those who have not accepted him. I would encourage you, I would urge you, I would plead with you if you've never trusted Christ, never put your faith in him for the forgiveness of sins to do so now because no one wants you to stand before him as judge. He has already judged your sins when he died on the cross for you. He's been punished in your place. If you don't accept him as your punishment, the Bible says that you will be punished eternally for your sins. That's how serious sin is. So I urge you to trust him. I urge you to to see how reasonable it is to come to faith in Christ. It it, it isn't a leap of, of faith that has no substance. God doesn't tell you to believe something that's nonsense. He tells you to believe something that makes so much sense. And there's evidence for it. And if you would like to accept Christ, you can do that at any time. You can do that right where you are. But if we can help you and direct you afterwards, I want you to know we have one of our elders up at the front. He'll be here after the service and uh, he'll be happy to speak to you about coming to faith in Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, may God use his word to deepen your walk with him. Someone recently said to me, that I, I'm not from this area, but they said I'm, I'm born again, but I'm not following the Lord as closely as I should. I hope that's not how, how your walk is. I hope you don't have to make excuses for your walk. I hope that your walk is vibrant and vital. He is the risen Lord, and we need to make sure we're in full submission to him. I'll give you a few moments to... Meditate on these things, pray to the Lord, and then I'll close in prayer. Father, thank you that the truth of Christ is that he indeed has died for us, buried, and rose again. And Lord, something that took place in a remote part of the world over 2,000 years ago is so so relevant to us, eternally relevant. I thank you for that. I thank you for giving us evidence, for giving us solid reasons to believe. Lord, we do believe. 
We do believe and we thank you that Jesus is with us and even indwells us by the Holy Spirit. But I pray for those who have not yet trusted you, that you'll take your word, bring them to conviction of sin. And Lord, not only convince them intellectually, which we realize is only one aspect, but deal in in hearts that there would be conviction of sin, a turning from sin and a turning to Christ for salvation. And we pray this in his name. Thank you for joining us for this special Easter message over the past three days. We hope that it has been a blessing and a challenge to you in your walk with the Lord Jesus. If you have any questions about the Bible or about this message, please feel free to call us at 727-239-0306. Someone will be happy to talk with you. If you would like to listen to this message again in its entirety, you may do so at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You may download it to share with a friend or just to listen to it again. There are many messages available to download, and they are free of charge. The website is versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. On our next Verse by Verse program, we will continue the previous series of studies where we left off to bring you this special Easter message. Please be sure to join us. Until then, this is your announcer, Peter Silseth, wishing you a blessed Easter as you celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.